You're listening to the Premier Podcast Network. Today's episode of the After Chat is brought to you by Blue Chew. Guys, remember the days when you were always ready to go? Now you can increase your performance and get the extra confidence in bed. Listen up. BlueChew.com. That's blue, like the color blue. BlueChew.com brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor's visit, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment absolutely free when you use our special promo code, BILL. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E Chew.com. Promo code BILL, B-I-L-L, to try it free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the After Chat. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the After Chat. I'm the guy the show's named after, Bill After, the After Chat. And with me, as always, every week down here in After's Alley is the best damn co-host in the world. Show says Chernoff. That's because it's him, Josh Chernoff. Well, thank you, Bill. I, I, I feel like you accidentally made it sound that I think I'm the best co-host in the world, and only. And well, only I, you that, you so. do agree with me, don't you? Well, it's hard not to. I mean, I've heard the show. <laughs> so. And by the way, that brings me to uh, our first point: is uh, all the people that have heard the show, we have gotten nothing but really, really great feedback. Except a few of you were not too crazy about that uh, Kenny Boland segment from yeah. last week. We, Josh, we had a bleep out so much. Yeah, we definitely did, um, which, you know, whatever. The people who really didn't like it, I think, need to, you know, one guy put on uh, on iTunes, and it's there for everybody to see it, uh, that they thought the after chat was phenomenal, but because we had Kenny Boland on there, uh, we lost them as a listener. And you know what? That's a shame uh, that you would give up on something that you think is phenomenal just because you don't like one guest that we had on his opinions. But Hey, look, if we had everybody on that we agree with and everybody on that was exactly like us, like that's, you know, that's not what we're trying to do. We're trying to have different voices from different eras, from different, you know, parts of the world, different ideas. So, but but sorry to upset anybody, but the, the bleep button got quite a, uh, uh, quite a workout yeah yeah but you know what hey look it's podcasting and it was marked explicit and they were given i think you did how many what 15 or 30 uh uh pre-tapes of uh please don't hold this against us so i think think if they had issues with it uh it's a shame we hate to lose a listener but uh but we're happy for any of the ones that joined us yeah and also thank you all for uh the nice comments about uh the gentlemanly way that NWA World Heavyweight Champion Nick Aldis uh, was in his interview. And he's always like that. He, when you talk about a real gentleman, a good model for someone to uh, hold a championship, 
uh, he really fits that image. Yeah, and that was so that was two weeks ago, and people have still been, but it was just run on one of the wrestling news sites last week. So Correct. yes, Bill, we have been getting a lot of yeah. uh, feedback on that from this week, but we've also been getting some great feedback on the interview with Magnum TA from last week. Yes, so certainly did. Yeah, I mean, so again, we we thank you guys and girls so much for uh, for all of the feedback that you're giving, uh, and yeah, we're we're hoping uh, that this is episode fifteen. We're just getting started, you know. Did you get your uh, you get your uh, travel package yet for WrestleMania for uh, April of next year? Because uh, I know where you're going. I really do. Yeah, I uh, my travel package is basically I'm just going to put some gas in the car and, uh, <laughs> and drive. Uh, you know, I, I I live outside of Philadelphia, so it's not going to yeah, be that tough. So, but, but yeah, I'll be there. You know where else we're going to be though, Bill? Well, that's why I wanted to bring up that you and I and. Uh, Possibly Calvin, our tech genius, yes, uh, have already gotten a a spot, a prime spot at WrestleCon on WrestleMania weekend. Yes, so we would love you. We will be. Uh, I'll be there selling my book. Josh will be there selling his book. You know what? This is the perfect spot because you know my book is wrestling fixed. I didn't know it was broken. Right, but uh, you have done so much. You've, you're a producer, you're an actor, you're a broadcaster, you're a commentator, oh, and you. now you've got a book out. I do, and it's it's definitely not, and thank you for bringing that up, Bill. I appreciate it. Uh, it's definitely not uh, in the same vein as your book, um, <laughs> that's for sure. Mine is a children's book. It is yeah. a, a little board book, and you can buy it with a doll of the main character. Uh, it's actually based off of my sister's dog, and it is called Maggie Moo Finds a Friend. That's right. I have a three-year-old daughter and very, uh, very used to reading uh, all kinds of uh, kid-oriented and girl-oriented yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. children's books and decided, hey, I read these so often. Why not write one myself? So, uh, but it's a, it's a cool book. It kind of, it's where she meets a cat and it kind of teaches kids a, a Well, don't a give lesson. the angle away. Don't well, the no, angle they have to here. know that there's a good lesson. To, oh, there to is be a learned about, uh, you know, that just because someone doesn't look like you doesn't mean you can't be friends. And uh, yeah, but it's but you you can go wait, to wait, wait, wait. Isn't that true in the WWE? I think that's I, 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 that should be true everywhere. <laughs> yeah, it should be true everywhere in the world. Um, but no, you can go to uh, fluffertonfriends.com. That's right. Fluffertonfriends.com. Uh, and you can go on Facebook to Maggie Moo Book. Um, and on Twitter at Maggie Moo Book, it is brand new, so we might have like one follower. And Instagram at Maggie Moo Book, uh, but it's Maggie Moo finds a friend. You can go on. We're gonna have some Black Friday, Cyber Monday sales, but uh, you can go on and get the combo pack, save a little money on uh, on shipping and on the cost of the item itself, and check it out. Cause look, hey, we all love wrestling, but maybe we've got. Uh, some little ones running around that we're yeah. not quite ready to, uh, read to the buy the book, wrestling play, figures. Read the book, play with your fluffy toy, and let me watch TV. Exactly. exactly. That's it. But you can but also the, get a deal. No, you're welcome. And you can also get a deal because for you adults who have not read my book, um, you can get my book on Amazon or almost any good bookstore's wrestling fixed. I didn't know it was broken. Or if you got the book, if you got the book, and you don't have the audio version, you can go to audible.com and or, or amazon.com and get the audio book because there is uh this would be a great combo holiday package 
something for the wrestling fan, something for the kids, and yeah. and what do we? Well, I guess what well, the moms and the gals out there can also enjoy this whole package. Yeah, I think it's it's a a package for everyone. Right, and if you go to the afterchat dot com, you can find a um, a click spot to my book. And Josh, I'm inviting you during the, especially now until the end of the holidays, to please put your book on the afterchatchat.com. Oh, well, thank you. You know what? Yeah. I think maybe that's something uh, I might send that on over. You know why I'm feeling so great? Why? You know why I'm feeling so happy? But it's Survivor Series weekend. It is. It, it is. is. It is one of the ex- best weekends, Thanksgiving coming up, and the Survivor Series, NXT War Games. Yes, NXT Survivor Series coming up. Uh, this show drops on Friday, uh, well, airs wait, on wait, Friday, as you like dropping? to say. Oh, it's dropping right onto the pod waves. Oh, oh okay. Yeah, so this, uh, <laughs> this, this show drops on Friday, and then on Saturday you can enjoy NXT, and on Sunday you can enjoy the WWE Survivor Series on the network there. Um now, let me explain something that we are right now. It is 615 Eastern time on Tuesday, the 13th of November. So we haven't seen Smackdown. No, we at have not. This point. And However, lots of there's a major rumor going on right now before we get to our quick picks. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is that Becky Lynch suffered a broken nose on Monday night, the 12th on Monday Night Raw. And again, rumor going around right now, nothing confirmed, is that she might not make it to the Survivor Series. So if she doesn't make it to the Survivor Series, we got to pick somebody else to wrestle Ronda Rousey for the yeah, title. That would be Who really that would be really unfortunate. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I suppose it would have to be someone from SmackDown. So maybe they would go with. I don't know if they would jump to like a Charlotte Flair so soon without that buildup like you know you want to come up with something that's going to make up for the loss of this really hot match uh but at the same time you don't want to just you know blow a a a potential money maker of a match down the line that you haven't built up to so yeah that's going to be a tough one um you know what happened was Nia Jax apparently caught Becky Lynch with a stiff shot to the face clearly I had to have broken her nose. I'd be so surprised if her nose wasn't broken. Oh, but yeah. the, the concern from what I'm understanding is whether or not she has a concussion as well. Um, Correct. Correct. Now, like we said, this is a rumor that's floating around. Hopefully by the time people are hearing this, it's been dispelled and uh, the match is on. But uh, either way, this match is going to happen Well, sometime. wait a minute. Wait a minute. If it's not, if it is not Becky Lynch, do you want to know who I would like? To be put in there? I think we would all like to know. Trish Stratus. Ooh. Bring her back. Bring her back. Wow. Yeah. Top, she showed on on that last pay-per-view, I mean, she's still damn good. And I would love to see someone come back from the past. Actually, some of the other uh, um, people that were back, Lita, I mm-hmm. think would be a great opponent for her. Okay. That's again, a really it's interesting veteran idea. opponents, but yes, yeah, so you're you're bringing something back that's going to make it really interesting for the fans, make them excited, but you're not blowing a potential future storyline uh, or match or program with no. the with active talent. I kind of like Wait that a idea. Wait a minute, I just thought of something. Yeah, Stephanie McMahon. Wow, you know what? I don't think it's the same brand. <laughs> but... Yeah, I don't think they're ready for that. 
Not uh, ready for that no, yet. No, I don't. I don't know. But uh, but hey, but no, some good ideas here. Um, yeah, Survivor Series. Are we gonna jump into a quick picks, or what do you want to do? Well, we're gonna not do really... that. I, I have another. I have another idea that I would love to see as a surprise at the Survivor Series. Okay. And this is nothing that I know about or anything that I've heard. But wouldn't it be great if the show opened and out came Hulk Hogan, just like he did? At the crown jewel. I mean, just the thrill of I am a real American on Thanksgiving weekend. It's just, again, I use this word a lot, but goosebumps. What do you think? Uh, I think that would absolutely be cool to to have that happen. Um, it's been weird. You know, I was on uh, a, a plug here for a show that had me on a Monco radio show completely damaged. Yeah. I didn't know um, you did that until I saw it online, by the way. Oh yeah. I'm sneaking around doing all kinds of things like my, my so-so Chernoff survivor series special that yeah. you can find now on our YouTube channel over at the after chat. Um, yeah. I've, I'm, I've been sent off to do all these things on my own to promote the show. But uh, one of the things that was brought up on, on that, uh, that radio show there was, um, that there was no mention of Hulk Hogan uh, on Raw or SmackDown afterwards. There was no mention in the buildup. There was no mention afterwards, uh, which begs the question, is this something where maybe the USA Network wasn't ready to have him on? Was it something well, no, where they wanted the to... He's, he's on at the... Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but but what I mean was there was no acknowledgement really of his, to my knowledge at least, uh, maybe I missed something, but of his return at Crown Jewel. Now, maybe they thought, okay, cool, that was a fun little thing for Crown Jewel, but maybe you're right. Maybe they are thinking, but we're going to hold this off for a much bigger thing, which could be Survivor Series, could be Royal Rumble, or it could be hosting WrestleMania, I'm, which is I'm thinking before. hosting WrestleMania. Yeah. Just think, because remember, that's in the New York area, mm -hmm. which is always the heart of WWF, WWF and WWE. Yeah. So for the Hulkster to return home to the Meadowland, I, I mean, of course he can't show, what if he shows up at the uh, yeah, Ring of Honor New Japan show at the Garden? Then I, then I think Maybe we may have seen him in the WWE the, for the last time. <laughs> um, no, I, I think that there's a chance for WrestleMania. I could see that happening. Um, that would be really cool. I don't think so for Survivor Series, but you never know. Anything can happen in world wrestling entertainment. Josh, one more thing. I, I know I mentioned this earlier, but we're taping this before SmackDown, mm -hmm. and it was still undetermined whether Becky Lynch is going to be okay to yeah. wrestle Ronda Rousey. So we're going to pass by that match in terms of our predictions. Yeah, Although if that match did happen, I think... Becky Lynch somehow was going to beat Ronda Rousey. Yeah, and I, I think that if the rumors that are going around um, that I'm seeing now online of, about possibly it being Charlotte versus Ronda Rousey, uh, maybe having Becky Lynch drop the title, uh, all of this, all of you after chatters will know by the time you're hearing this. So yeah, like Bill said, we won't really go into it. But yes, that match is going to happen one day. There but is wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. If it was going to be that match, Lynch versus Rousey, there's no title on the line. Right, but it's champion versus champion. Correct, correct. So that's correct. why they're saying she would drop the title so okay. that it could be champion. Oh, I got champion. it. Okay. Yeah, All but right. uh, but no matter what, this match is going to happen. Not maybe it not at Survivor been Series, a hell but of it a will. Match. Yeah, and you know it what I would love to see? Uh, I'd love to see them hold it off and let this thing main event WrestleMania. <laughs> I say, why not? I, or I think, as I mentioned, or as I'm, yeah, that could be the first 
women's match to headline WrestleMania. I think there's a chance now, since it's not going to happen, that they could just build this between now and WrestleMania. Oh, absolutely. It could be the hottest thing. It could absolutely, absolutely. be the hottest thing. So. Unless, unless Trish Stratus comes back and right. meets Ronda Rousey. Okay, let's move on. <laughs> Why don't we do our uh, uh, on our headlock on headlines, it's time for Quick Picks, the Survivor Series. Josh, you have the lineup of the matches? I do indeed, the ever-changing lineup of the matches. Um, We're going to start with Intercontinental Champion Seth Rollins versus the United States Champion Shinsuke Nakamura. Well, again, this is uh, a non-title. Yes, they're Uh, all non-title. There's not a title versus title, but non-title. Right. So, uh, (laughs) Champion versus champion. I think that Shinsuke Nakamura is going to win because I think uh, Dean Ambrose is going to have a hand in this. I think that's a a strong possibility that that's going to happen. And uh, I think that this can really boost uh, Nakamura's career right now because he's been floundering for a little bit. So, uh, yes, by the way, by the way, I noticed in Barnes and Noble the other night, mm -hmm. and I don't know if this is recent, there is a whole book about Shinsuke Nakamura pre WWE. Oh, yeah. That'd be an interesting read. Interesting. Yeah. But, Um, uh, yeah, but I think this will be a sensational match. Okay. I think it'll be a a great match, but, and I also want to add while we're on this is that Dean Ambrose, this interview, that he did near the uh, fire can yeah. on Monday Night Raw. Man, he's intense. I could see so much more of him. It's a great side of Dean Ambrose that I, I wish we would have seen a long time ago, but I'm happy to be seeing it now. Perfect timing. Yeah. Okay, next match. All right, let's talk about Team Raw for the men versus Team SmackDown. That's Dolph Ziggler, Drew McIntyre, Braun Strowman, Finn Balor, and Bobby Lashley for Team Raw uh, with, of course, Baron Corbin and I suppose Leo Rush will be at ringside as well. Uh, versus Team SmackDown, The Miz, Daniel Bryan, Shane McMahon, Rey Mysterio, straight from the after chat, and Samoa Joe. Um, Shane McMahon's team is going to win. I think there's going to be problems with uh, Finn Balor, of course, and Drew McIntyre and uh, uh, his side as well. But uh, I think that Shane McMahon will somehow wangle a victory for that team. I I think, I agree with you, and I think Shane McMahon, I, what I would love to see, if they're in fact going to be continuing this heel turn with Shane McMahon that I thought bad they were going to be doing, bad guy. Uh, I would like to see this end up with Shane McMahon versus Dolph Ziggler in the, fi- in the final two people. And have, oh, Shane, and have Shane McMahon sense. and have him beat Dolph Ziggler again to be the I, sole that survivor. Makes perfect sense. Yeah, and somehow have the Miz get kind of screwed out of that. Yeah, but you no, know? that makes perfect sense. I agree with you 100. percent Well, thank you. All right, we'll see what happens. Next match. Next match. Uh, the female end of things. Team Raw versus Team SmackDown. So we have Team Raw is Mickey James, Nia Jax, Tamina. Natalia and Ruby Riot with Alexa Bliss, Liv Morgan, and Sarah Logan, you'd have to assume at ringside, versus Team SmackDown, Carmella, Naomi, Sonya Deville, Asuka, and we don't know because if the rumors are true that Charlotte is being moved to take Becky Lynch's space, who's going to be on Team SmackDown? So, you know, that remains to be seen, but... Uh, uh, I pick uh, I pick 
Team Raw because just that new combination of Tamina Snuka and Nia Jax, I mm-hmm. think they are going to be the key to victory for Team Raw. Yeah, Nia Jax has that uh, that nose breaking style about her. So, Absolutely, yeah, and I the think, Hogan uh, leg drop. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. something. Uh, so what you gonna do when Nia Jax and Team Raw? comes over you brother i wish you would have said that in a different way uh aop that's the authors of pain the raw tag team champions with drake maverick versus the bar cesaro and sheamus with the big show they're the smackdown tag team champions uh looking forward to this actually what do you think i have too the authors of pain have got that uh and i'm not comparing them exactly with the buzz that the road warriors got way Mm -hmm. back when but they are absolute animals and I think they are going to come out of this match even more animalistic. Yeah, I mean, they're animals, they're hawks, they're, uh, you know. But, uh, no, I think this is a great opportunity for the Authors of Pain, who have just been running roughshod through everybody, to go up against a team like The Bar. These are not jobbers, you know? These aren't local enhancement talent. They're major. uh, And by the way... Go ahead. No, I was just, I think this is going to be a hard hitting No, no, match. I just realized how you took my Hulk Hogan, uh, Nia Jax comment and okay. Josh, that wasn't necessary. <laughs> All right. Let, 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 uh, but let's, no, but, but you have to think on. also on the outside of the ring there, Drake Maverick and the big show, uh, man, if that's not like having on one side has a, 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 a you know, a third and a fourth man and the other side has about half a man, it's, uh, yeah, but you know, it's going to be distracting time. Yes. And the authors of pain are going to take advantage of, uh, the, it's just not going to work for the big show. So we've got a, uh, 20 man. That's a five on five tag team elimination match. So that's 10 people on each side. Team Raw versus Team SmackDown. Uh, I believe this is going to end up opening up the the show, uh, being on the pre-show. And that is going to be Bobby Roode and Chad Gable, The Revival, The B-Team, The Lucha House Party, and The Ascension, that's Team Raw, versus The Usos, The New Day, and... Uh, uh, to be announced. So I don't know who the other people are going to be. Well, um, so we can't really pick a winner at this point. No, but I'm going to go with, te- I'm, I'm going to go with team raw. Just why okay. not? <laughs> I will abstain. I will abstain from picking. Okay. Team. Uh, I also have, I, I see here, uh, buddy Murphy defending the cruiserweight championship versus, uh, Mustafa Ali. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a go ahead. I, I, I feel like that may end up being on the pre-show as well. Although I'm not sure. Um, but, uh, Man, Buddy Murphy uh, really had a uh, uh, his 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 coming out party was was at uh, the Super Show Super Showdown. Yeah. Um, yeah, he was so, incredible. Yeah, so this will be really uh, this could be a great fast paced match. Who do you have? Uh, Buddy Murphy retaining. I agree. I agree. Yep. So yep. Uh, last but certainly not least, Brock Lesnar, Universal Barack. Lesnar. I thought I'd let let you do that. Uh, you. The Universal Champion versus AJ Styles, the WWE Champion. I think that this is, you know, there's quite a history between these two. Mm-hmm. And I think we are going to see, since there's no belts on the line, even though it's SmackDown versus Raw and it's Universal against WWE, um, I think we're going to see an upset here. And AJ Styles is going to uh, pull out a win here. Uh, since Brock is not in danger of uh, 
losing his championship. I, I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, I also think, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe, uh, you know, I know they main evented last year, and I want to say that Brock Lesnar picked up the the victory, mm-hmm. so this might be a uh, setting up for a potential. Well, setting up for a potential rubber match down the road yeah. between the two. So, by the way, know. what what did what did you think of uh, Stephanie's ruling now that uh, in order for and this comes right off uh, the Survivor Series that uh, Braun Strowman his team's got to win for him to get a um, uh, another shot at Brock Lesnar. Um, I think that plays into even more of the fact that uh, Team SmackDown's going to win. I think that this is really going to kind of delay that that match between the two of them, uh, as as Lesnar's not going to be around that often. So you know, I think it at least delays it through the December pay per view. Maybe okay, so double them. main event at WrestleMania. Oh, we've got the Royal Rumble. Let's not forget that. No, I so. know, but double main event at WrestleMania if it's done slowly and carefully three main events can be Ronda Rousey against Becky Lynch, Mm -hmm. Braun Strowman, Brock Lesnar, and Seth Rollins, Dean Ambrose. Well, I think that's going to, I'm, I'm curious whether or not that'll be played out by that point in time. I hope not. Um, I hope not. I don't want to, but I I think they, they have potential to have a, a great back and forth feud for the intercontinental title. We talked about this on last week's show. Uh, one of the one of the other things that we talked about on last week's show that I would like to see, and that's uh, I want to see Drew McIntyre uh, going for the Universal Title, or switch him over and have him going for the WWE Title. But whatever it is, I think uh, come WrestleMania time, I want to see Drew McIntyre in the main event. Oh yeah, he has so. matured into such a great uh, bad guy. I mean, I know he had it from the beginning. You've known him forever. Yeah, but. No, wow. he didn't. I, I'll tell you in all honesty, and I love Drew. Uh, I don't think, I mean, always great in the ring um, and a great guy. He did not have this. Uh, no, not back when then. I, when I knew him back in the day. He's into it. Yeah, so that's no, right. no. So, yeah, he's definitely grown into well, this. I didn't mean it that way. Okay. I, I meant that you've known him a long time. He has now finally matured. He had to get away from you. I see, which is, and, yeah, right. <laughs> and he, he matured uh, into uh, the excellent uh, combatant that he currently is. Yeah, he, yeah, he's great. He has a great presence. What happened was, you know, when people would see him standing next to me, it was hard for them to see him as being a menacing force, you know, comparatively to me, of course. Therefore, yes, once once he finally got away from me, people were able to no longer have that direct comparison and see him as the monster that he truly is. Did I say that Absolutely. well? Yes, you did. The monster he truly is. <laughs> In non... Um, in non-WWE news, I want to get your take on this. All right. One of the former WCW world champions is making an incredible comeback. Have you noticed that David Arquette is starting to wrestle in like a lot of different indies now? Yeah, uh, I have. He's been um, really getting himself out there and really uh, trying to to pay his dues in the business. Um you know, he, he has been given so such a hard time by wrestling fans um, for winning the WCW title. I'm going to tell you, when that happened, I must have been, what was that, maybe 14, 15, something like that. I don't know, around that age. Um, maybe I was a little older. But 
had somebody come to me and said, hey, Josh, you know, kid in high school, we'd like to put the title on you. I, what was I going to say? No. They, and and I, I want to ask anyone who has ever criticized David Arquette. I'm not talking about criticizing WCW for the decision or Vince Russo for the decision. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about anyone. We're going to ever... talk to Vince Russo one day about sure, that. Sure. But I want to talk. I, I'm talking to anybody who has ever uh, given a hard time or criticized uh, uh, David Arquette for going through with that. Please tell me that you yourself would have turned that opportunity down. You've got to be kidding me. Of course not. So, yeah. So that's, you know, but it's great to see him. uh, Yeah, I've seen some pictures of him flying off the top rope. It's great. I'd love to have David Arquette come on the show. So maybe we'll reach out to him and see if uh, if we can get him him on here at some point to talk all about this. Yes, yes. And I do have. It's great. uh, We, well, absolutely. And uh, yeah, you know what? We should get David Arquette on the after chat. All right. Let's do we it. Definitely, we definitely need to talk to him. Well, that's a wrap up on this week's Headlock on Headlines. Enjoy the Survivor Series. Enjoy NXT War Games. And Josh, it's time right now for the after chat. Josh? Yes. Uh, our guest this week is none other than WWE Hall of Famer, the million dollar man, Ted DiBiase. And Bill, I'm going to tell you something that we did not talk about in this interview. And there are very few things that we didn't talk about in this interview with Ted. But I want to let you know my very first action figure that I can remember getting. And technically, my brother got it for his birthday. It was the million dollar man, Ted DiBiase Hasbro action figure. And I have that action figure displayed in my office. I have all of my old Hasbros displayed there. Uh, I've, I've mentioned in the past, I'm a big fan of uh, Kurt Hawkins and Zack Ryder's podcast. And uh, they, they convinced me to you know, display some of these. So just wanted to say that I've got uh, the Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase, uh, staring me, in action figure form, staring me in the face while we were talking to the Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase. So that was kind of insane for me. You know what? I would buy that from you, but it's probably worth a million bucks. At least. All right, Bill, I think it is time then that we head to the interview with the million dollar man, Ted DiBiase. So right now on the after chat line is one of my favorite people in the entire world, in or out of pro wrestling. I met him almost at the start of his career, and we've been friends forever and when you talk about and i know i say this a lot about a lot of guys when you talk about genuine really good people that come out of that come into your life uh this guy's right at the top ted dibiase or as they used to say in japan dibiase ted welcome to the after chat (laughs) it's good to be with you bill and uh the the feelings are mutual my friend well thank you I was telling Josh, by the way, we were talking a little bit about uh, uh, Japan. How did they announce you in the ring in Japan? Did I have that right? Dibiase Ted? Yeah, yeah, something like that. Tedo Dibiaso. Tedo Dibiaso, yeah. So, you know, yeah. while, while we're on the subject of how to pronounce your name, um, we were going to start this whole thing off with some fan questions. And one of the questions was uh, the Mid-South or WWF pronunciation for you to set the record straight. <laughs> well, you know, the, the, I, it's been, it's been a, uh, it's just been, 
it depends on where you would go. I know like up in uh, St. Louis, uh, the guy up there that, that did a lot of the announcing uh, would say uh, DBS. And then um, I'm not sure how uh, Mid-South did it, but I know the DiBiase is, that is the, the uh, correct pronunciation. But it, I guess it would depend on who you talk to because. <laughs> well, it's your name. It's an so. Italian name. <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's, yeah, but it's an Italian name. Now, if you're, if you're Italian, you know, and, and the Italians, a lot of times they would drop that E. They'd say, he's a DiBiase. You know, or hey. some of them would even, <laughs> they would drop the di. He said that he's a biaz. They would just say biaz. So biaz. You know. So I've but, got um, I've got the Gordon Soli version. I remember uh, in the ring right now is uh, Ted DiBiase. He always put the e yeah. at the end. <laughs> and then then you had Vince McMahon, and there is DiBiase. He just screamed it. Yeah. 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 But that's interesting. Oh, I, I didn't know about that, uh, uh, about the Italian twist on your name there. I never yeah. knew that. Yeah. I never knew that. Yeah, so that was the, that's why a lot of people would say BBIs, you know, because they, they'd heard it that way before. Uh, but, I mean, technically you would say DiBiase. So. All right, DiBiase. All right. So right so it's, now it's been we have, some, we have uh, some questions right now, DiBiase. I'm calling you DBS. You got me into doing this now. We have some fan questions that uh, were tweeted in earlier today, and uh, and then we'll get to some other things that Josh and I would like to know. And thanks for being here, by the way. Thank you. Thanks for having me on, Bill. All right. So, uh, well, that first question, by the way, came from uh, Pee Wee James. Um, and uh, so this one comes from uh, Golden Voice Michael Berry Sr., as uh, was there ever a point in the lead up to WrestleMania four where you believed you would be booked to win the WWF title tournament at that event to your knowledge? Was that ever the plan? Uh, you know, I get asked that question a lot and, you know, originally it was discussed. It was discussed that, you know, I would, uh, you know, somehow underhandedly, um, you know, uh, you know, end up in the last match with, with, with Hogan and, and, uh, and screwing to win the title. Um, you know, but along the way, um, you know, it was almost like, I think people expected that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, because, you know, you know, always in wrestling, you know, obviously H- Hogan after beating Andre, he was the man and here we go. And he's, he's the champ. And, uh, you know, the WWE, or WWF, um, you know, the, you know, you want primarily because you're, you're, uh, you're catering to the kids, uh, at this point, because it's now family entertainment. You want your champion to be the good guy and as much as possible. So, uh, but there was, there was the thought of having me screw Hogan and have the run with Hogan and, you know, and, and usually a heel champion in the WWE back then anyway, Mm-hmm. would be somebody it's he's transitional you know he's either you know he either gets the belt and he drops it to the new baby face champion yeah. or he drops it back to the to the guy that that he that he beat and, and, and history uh, shows that with uh ivan koloff and superstar billy graham right yeah exactly and uh so it was pat patterson who approached me and he said he said, Ted, he said, you know, 
you know, here, here's, you know, what we've been thinking. And, um, yeah, he kind of ran, ran all those things by me, which I, which I knew, I mean, that's standard. I mean, you know, deal. And, uh, of course the NWA, your world champion was always a heel unless he was wrestling in his home territory. Correct. Like when, uh, when Dory Funk Jr. And Terry Funk were world champion, when they wrestled in their, in the Amarillo territory, they were baby faces. But everywhere else, they were a heel because the idea was all the other territories, when the world champion came in, they're going to pit him against their top baby face. That's going to be the biggest draw. And yet, was Jack so Briscoe an exception to that, Ted? Do you think so? No, no. Uh-uh. No? Okay. No, because, I mean, I, well, I don't, not as far as I know, because, you know, um, I don't, well, of course, I know he was from Florida. Now, I don't know how he wrestled in Florida, but I know that everywhere else he wrestled, like when he wrestled in Texas against uh, Funk Jr. or Terry, oh, he was a heel. Of and course. And when he wrestled in St. Louis, uh, which the guys in St. Louis were from multiple territories, he was a heel. Uh, so, you know, and again, uh, even like Harley Race. Harley Race was a heel, except when he wrestled in Kansas City. And uh, I guess, but St. Louis probably was the exception. So that that leads me to a question I've always wanted to ask you since we're talking about the National Wrestling Alliance. For for years, when I worked at the magazines, we we, we always had you picked as the next NWA champion. Always. Ted DiBiase. And that... Just like with the WWF title, et cetera, um, I always wondered why that NWA title, that world title, never wound up on your waist. You were the perfect image for that championship. (laughs) You really were. Well, you know, I I appreciate that, Bill. You know, and I I get that question a lot. And and I was, I mean, I was, uh, I was definitely being considered. And and I think if 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 uh, my memory serves me right and what I've been told is true, that I was one of the only people that won the Missouri heavyweight title that didn't go on and become the MWA world champion. That's correct. That was the stepping stone to the NWA title. And, and so, uh, um, you know, I know that at the time, uh, they, they had they had several names in the hat. I mean, three three names. They had there was Dusty Rhodes, Ric Flair, and myself. And you know, two out of the three ended up being the world champion, and, and I'm the one that that didn't. Of course, I went back to work. And I spent a lot of time in Mid South with Bill Watts, and Bill, you know, I think when I'm not my memory serves me right, Bill pulled out of the uh, out of the NWA. He did. And so, you know, since I was wrestling for him, you know, maybe I was no longer in consideration. But um, anyway, if people say, aren't you, you know, doesn't it bother you that you were never the world champion? And, you know, obviously it would have been nice. But, uh, you know, by and large, it's, you know, it, it, wrestling is a business. And uh, it would have been nice. And there's a, there's a lot that goes along with it, with being a champion. Uh, but, you know, I, I think that I did, I fared pretty well. Yeah, you really did. So uh, Murph Black asks this question. Uh, what is your relationship? Wh- what was your relationship and what currently is your relationship with Virgil? Great question. Uh, 
you know, Virgil, when we were on the road together and when we, I mean, when we first met at Vince's office, I didn't know who he was. I'd never seen him. You know, I mean, it was Bobby Heenan who told me, I actually think it was Bobby Heenan's idea because he had that look, you know, he had, he had a really good look. He had a great body. Uh, but he, you know, he was, but he, you know, in the ring, he wasn't good at all. I mean, he really mm-hmm. wasn't. And, uh, he, he, you know, he always did things. He was, he did everything he was asked to do. Uh, he was always on time. He never got in trouble. Uh, you know, I mean, gosh, he didn't drink, he didn't smoke, he didn't do drugs. You know, um, uh, you know, my understanding is he liked to gamble though. Um, so I never had any problem with Virgil until post wrestling until, you know, I mean, and as a matter of fact, you know, after I went to WCW, you know, they were talking about, you know, well, who, who else can we, you know, who else could we, uh, bring in? Because, you know, like we were, we're, it was supposed to be like this, this, uh, like, like, the, like a takeover, like a coup, right. you know, and we need protection. And I said, well, you know, you need protection then maybe, maybe need a bodyguard. And so that's when they, they brought him in. So I actually got him in there, hmm. but the trouble with he and I came when we started doing these autograph shows or, you know, I didn't do autograph shows initially. I, you know, I, I didn't start doing the comic cons, uh, for a while. And, uh, but then I would go and I would, you know, or I would go to one by myself and somebody would say, well, gosh, you know, sure, we're sure sorry. You couldn't make the last show. I said, what are you talking about? I said, well, you know, Virgil contacted us to book you guys and we had you booked. And then he called a couple of weeks out and said, you wouldn't be able to make it, but he'd still be there. Wow. And I was totally oblivious. Of course. So, so he and I had to come to a Jesus meeting about that. You know, I, you know, I had a conversation with him. I said, look, man, uh, I don't want to ever hear uh, another story like that. You know, it's like, you know, cause you're making me look like crap and just to, to serve your own purpose and, and, uh, and making it. Now, I don't know about, I don't know if Virgil got to a place where he was desperate to make money. Right. Um, uh, if he did have an, if he did indeed have a gambling issue, yeah, I mean, I could see where that could become a problem. Um, but then he just started doing things that were ridiculous. I mean, somebody said he put up a table in Grand Central Station in, in yes. Manhattan. Yeah. And was trying <laughs> to sell pictures. I mean, and so I hate to say it, but it got to a point where if I'm seen with the guy, I'm making myself look like a fool. Yeah. If that makes any sense. It it does. Uh, Yet, yet people, whenever they see him, they think of you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and and any place he ever went and, and, and signed autographs, he would have a banner up and the banner would have both of our pictures on it. It was advertising both of us, but he was the only one there. Yeah. Yeah. So, So, you know, and I, you know, and I, I recently, I, I really, I recently did a signing where we, 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 uh, I don't think I knew that he was going to be there, but I wasn't mad because he was, um, you know, and I still am very cordial with the guy. Um, and, you know, I mean, um, I mean, there's no, you know, the nicest way to say it is, uh, you know, he, Virgil's not the brightest, you know, he's not the smartest, uh, apple in the, in, in the basket. Uh, you know, he's, he's not a real bright guy. Okay. okay. okay? And, uh, so, uh, but, I, I, you know, I do, I, I do like the guy, 
Uh, I care for him, and I know I know desperate people do desperate things when they sure. when they need money, and and so we've kind of we've all we he and I have talked all of that stuff through, and I think we're okay. I mean, good. I, I'm know, glad like, to hear that. Would I be would I be opposed to uh, seeing him and and, and, and signing autographs with him again? Absolutely not. I'd, I'd be happy to. Uh, you know, as long as he's you know on the up and up. Yeah, well, that makes sense. All right, all right. Uh, that was a great question from. Murph Black got us a, a great answer from you, Ted. So another question here, um, and I'm going to kind of expand upon this. This is from Wrestling 24-7. They asked, did Ted portray the Million Dollar Man role or character when he wasn't wrestling? And we've always heard that you were, you know, given money and all, the, all, these, um, all these stories about when you were traveling, when you were on the road. How far did it go into your real life, into your personal life when you were at, at home, when you weren't just on the road, uh, how much were you playing, portraying that million dollar man character? I mean, d- did you really tip toll collectors? <laughs> no, I didn't, I didn't tip We wrote that in the magazine. It had to be true. Oh my God. <laughs> uh, no, when, when Vince laid this thing down for me and talked about it, you know, the, they came out and they, they presented me with $2,000 in brand new $100 bills. And Vince said, this is your flash cash. And, you know, he says, he says, he says, you know, here's what I want you to do. And he says, now, if you abuse it, you lose it. And he says, you have to pick your spots. But he said, for example, he says, you go someplace to eat. And, you know, you don't want to go and do this, you know, uh, at the most expensive restaurant in Manhattan on Friday night when the place is packed, but pick your spot and, you know, stand up and announce yourself and tell everybody that, uh, it's their lucky day because you're picking up the tab. Wow. And, you know, uh, if you can have Virgil with you and have Virgil, you know, go around and pick up everybody's check, you slap down the hundred dollar bills, bring the receipt to us and we will replenish the money. Wow. It's marketing. He wow, was marketing the character is what Vince was doing. And, uh, brilliant. And so there were times when I would do things like that. Um, you know, it was funny, uh, you know, Rick Flair and I, uh, we've been, we've, we've, we've wrestled together. We've been friends for years. And I teased Rick one night. I said, you know what, Rick? I said, here's the difference between you and me. You're spending your money. I'm spending Vince's. <laughs> <laughs> so what was, you know, what was, the, what 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 was the worst place and what was the best place that you spent that money at? Oh my gosh, uh, I, I don't know if I could, you know. Um, I, I mean, did you did you go that. like we used to be on the road? Did you go to Denny's a lot and pay everybody's uh, bill? <laughs> I I don't know if I ever I don't know if I ever, if I ever hit at Denny's. Uh, there were a couple <laughs> places that. In uh, in Manhattan, and there was like a couple of times when, you know, when we would be in a, in a in a bar where you know you know I'd buy a round for the house. You know, um, I was with Andre one time, and uh, this is funny because Andre knew what what, what the gimmick was, and it, and but he said that he he played a joke on me. He says I he had the bartender put out five shot glasses, and then five beer glasses, and he said fill my glass. He filled the beer glasses with beer. And he said, what do you want to drink? He said, any, 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 anything, you know? And I, you know, I said, I, you know, gosh, I don't know, you know, uh, 
uh, and I, I don't, I still don't know what I, what I drank, but, but here, but he said, I, I, here's the bet. We start when the bartender says go and you drink those five shots as fast as you can. He says, the bet is I can drink, I can drink five glasses of beer before you can finish five shots. That's Andre. <laughs> I know he's Andre, but you know, yeah. and he said, now yeah. no monkey business. And I said, what do you mean? He says, well, you know, if I drink one and I put it down and you take my last beer and, and, and slide it down the bar, you know, where I can't reach it. No, he says, so you don't touch my glasses and I don't touch your glasses. Fair? And I said, okay, fair. So, you know, he says, and whoever loses buys around around for the house. And so the bartender goes, go. And I go, I hit two shots real quick. He inhales a glass of uh, of beer, and then he simply <laughs> takes his glass, turns it upside down, and puts it over my last shot. <laughs> Remember the stupid I couldn't touch his glass, and I couldn't touch his. So I could I had to touch his glass to get to my last shot. So he just very casually drank the other four, you know. So that's amazing. It was funny. That did is you, a great and, story. And, did and did you ever? You know, yeah. DBRC is flying around, the billion dollar man. Did did Vince ever uh, uh, call you and say, uh, what what did what was this money for? Did he ever call you on anything? No, no. Okay. I mean, I simply, okay. I simply brought, you know, I would bring the receipts back, and that's what Vince said. And again, like he said from the beginning. You know, he's just now, if this gets ridiculous, you know, right. then we just stop doing it. So I never, I never abused it. I mean, I, and, and in reality, I didn't do it a, a whole lot. I just, I like, I like, I did what he said to, he says, pick your spots. Yeah. And I did. So, so that, take us, so take, take us in. Character, you know, I didn't, you know, it's like, you know, when I got out of the car at the building, I walked in the building and I walked out of the building. I was a million dollar man. Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, and, uh, you know, I guess you know, if, if I was getting out of a, you know, getting out of a limousine at, at, at an airport or whatever, of course we did that, you know, Virgil would be, be, be with me and that the whole deal open the door and whatever. And he would, he would check the bags and people saw things like that mm-hmm. where, you know, but, you know, again, if I was approached in the airport for an autograph, I'd sign it. I mean, here's, what's funny. I would get out of the limousine at the building <laughs> as I'm walking into the building they're, they're, they're kids, 12, 13, 14 years old, you know, cussing me out, flipping me the bird and, uh, you know, throwing their gum at me. Oh, wow. The same kids they're waiting in the lobby of the hotel after the show for an autograph. <laughs> of course <laughs> they love to hate you. So take us into, uh, take us into Vince's office. Here you are, Ted DiBiase. You've just come from, uh, uh, Bill Watts territory or a wrestler with no gimmicks and all that. And now all of a sudden you're sitting there. How did he pitch this idea to you? Well, the first time I went to New York um, and we spoke, all he, he said, he said, Ted, I've got, I've got a great idea. He said, there's so many things in wrestling that have been done and redone and repackaged. He said, but this is, this is fresh. It's, it's original. And he said, I think you're the perfect guy for it. He said, but here's the deal. He says, I can't tell you what it is unless you agree to sign a contract with the WWF. He says, because if I tell you and then you don't sign with me, I've given away a great idea and I'm not going to give this idea away. So that, you know, kind of put me on the spot, but Very smart. I, uh, 
you know, and so I said, well, I need a little time to think about it. And he said, okay, that's fine. And, uh, so it was very, very cordial at first meeting. And then, uh, you know, I, I called, I called my buddy, Terry Funk, you know, who I, you know, pretty much would turn to for just about every major decision I made in my wrestling career. Yeah. And I said, Terry, what do you think? And he just said, uh, he said, Teddy, he said, if Vince has something that he thinks is tailor-made for you, it's his idea. It's never been done. He said, pack your bags and don't look back. Wow. And I said, well, I thought, I thought that's what you would say. <laughs> and, uh, you know, but it's, it's kind of like his feet thinks it's tailor-made for you. That it's because he's already, you know, he's watched you, you know, and, and he knows the type of, you know, whether you're a baby face or heel, he knows what, you know, what type of guy you are. So obviously he sees this as fitting your, you know, fitting your character. So I called Vince back and said, okay, I'm your, I'm your man. So what, what's, what's the deal? And he wouldn't tell me on the phone. He said, no, right. I'm going to fly you back up here. So he flew, he flew me back to New York and, and had me bring my wife. And, uh, and so that's when he sat down and said, you know what? He said, you know, the one thing everybody hates is someone who by virtue of their wealth thinks they're better than everybody. They bully people with their wealth. They look down their nose at people. Like they, they, you know, they, they turn their nose up and they, they just have this, this arrogant arrogance about them that, you know, when, when they're looking at people, it's like, if you're getting that look from somebody, it's like, you know, this guy's looking at me like I'm a piece of dung and you know, all that. And he said, uh, and he said, and everybody hates that. And he said, what I want you to be is I want you to bully people with your wealth. And he said, the one thing about bullies is, you know, and bullies are cowards. And so you never get, you never get tired of seeing a bully get his butt kicked. Right. Well, that was the type of heel I was. I was always what we in the wrestling business called the, excuse the expression, chicken shit heel. Yeah. Yeah. In other words, I would talk big. I showed the, the fans that I could really wrestle. But I always took the shortcuts, and then when I then I'd run my mouth, and when somebody would get in my face, I'd back up, you know. And so, and uh, and again, you never, you know, you never said, okay, uh, JBL. JBL was the cowboy version of me. Yeah, right. He really was. He was the same, you know. He was the rich cowboy who talked real big, but you know then he would do the same thing. He'd, he'd cower off back in the corner. Oh, low, I don't want, you know, mm -hmm. and you never, you just never got tired of seeing him get his butt kicked. So <clears throat> I was already that type of heel and, uh, and, and Vince knew it. So it, it was, it was a perfect fit. Uh, my wrestling style didn't change at all. The only thing that changed is now I had a costume and a, right. a, a, a character, which yeah. I never had before. I mean, so I was a, I mean, I was a, I was a character. I mean, I was a heel. I was a, I was that type sure. of heel, but I didn't have a name and a costume. So but let's, that's what Vince gave me. let's talk a little bit about that costume if we can. Um, so everybody, Josh loves doing yeah, this. Yeah. I way, love to, everyone to ask we have these, on. these questions, but, uh, <laughs> but I mean, but your costume is probably your attires. Some of the most, especially your entrance attire, obviously is, is one of the most recognizable and famous ones of the, of definitely at least the eighties in wrestling. So where I'm assuming this was something all dreamt up by Vince McMahon, 
uh, or his team there. But what can you take us through the, these uh, what these suits really were? Well, um, well, the suit, you know, the suit was uh, the first one that I had probably was the, the first one was the most expensive and it was the most poorly, most poorly made that I had. Um, really? And they, they, they had, they had it made, I don't know. And, uh, but I took that suit and I came home and I found a tailor right here in, in, in Mississippi where I live, um, who, you know, may, you know, made, made all the suits going forward for me mm-hmm. and with a different, different material, but basically, <clears throat> you know, the pants were, they were, they were Velcroed to where like, you know, so Virgil would come in there, he'd grab them, he'd pop them right off. I mean, it's almost like, right. The, uh, you know, what do you call the guy, you know, the guys in the, the male strippers. Like the Chippendale. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like, almost like a Chippendale. Like, you know, it pops right. off, you know, and then you know, the, the shirt was just, uh, it was just a, a shirt front. Right. It also popped up, but, you know, um, uh, but yeah, I mean, big dollar sign, great big dollar sign on the back of the, the of the jacket, and, uh, dollar signs on the lapels and, uh, dollar signs on on both of my boots so uh you know it's like you know pretty hokey <laughs> so so that was so you had for a really long time you had the uh the black boots and the black trunks with the dollar signs on the sides at one point you switched over to white after such a long stretch of time of just having the exact same outfit was it just you felt you needed a change was it because you were doing i can't remember if it happened while you were doing the money ink stuff but what was no, the I, idea you know what was um uh i mean because i had a, i had you know the suit that I'm, I'm seen in was seen in the most was and it was my favorite suit was the black and gold mm-hmm. and but i had a green suit right i actually i had I remember a, I that had one a silver, i had a silver suit with i don't know what kind of trim that was uh you know but now i never wore but i, I never wore i never wore silver trunks <laughs> i never right. wore never really wore green trunks either. Uh, right. But I wore, I wore the suits. Uh, but for some reason I thought, well, you know, and I think I, it was, it was, uh, it was before SummerSlam, the one we did in, uh, in England. Yeah. And that, the 92. And I just got this wild idea that I would have a white suit with gold trim made, you know, and I'd have, you know, you know, I'd be real tanned and that was cool. But, uh, once I did it, you know, and, and, and then went back and watched, watched it on tape. I didn't like it. It was like, you know what? I don't, you know, bad guys don't look good in white. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I remember when you came out uh, at that, at that SummerSlam and I just thought, I was like, wow, that's the cool. I've always had a weird fascination with the, the gear yeah. and stuff, but I thought that yeah, was, uh, does. was really cool. It was a cool change. Um, but, uh, but yeah. And then the silver one you're talking about, I believe it was purple. If I'm correct, I believe it was silver and purple, maybe like a yeah, silver yeah. maroon or something. Right. But um, now, but wait yeah. a minute, wait a minute. Now that you're talking about the colors, uh, I just saw a photo in my mind when the belt was sold to uh, Andre and Bobby Heenan. There, uh, went with that whole angle. Was that the green yeah. suit? No. The, well, what let, suit? <laughs> I'll let you. I'll let you answer it. You should. It looks better if you know. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no. It, it was the silver. It was the silver one with the. It was the silver. I thought it was the green one for some reason. 
I couldn't tell you. <laughs> okay, well, All right. well, our after that, chatters Josh. can can look it up, but uh, I'm can, almost positive it's the silver one. So I had a question now to ask you about uh, one of the things during the uh, uh, your time as the Million Dollar Man that I always found fascinating and wondered if anyone ever gagged on it when you used to put the money <laughs> in your beaten opponent's mouth. There. Uh-huh. Any uh, <laughs> anybody ever gag on it or just say you put too much money in there? No, 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 nobody ever gagged on it. But, you know, it's like uh, I always told Virgil, I said, I said, make sure, make sure that 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 hundred dollar bill makes it back to the dressing room. <laughs> really? Okay. So okay. yeah, yeah. I mean, now that money that I gave to the fans, you know, they 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 the fans always got the money, and uh, but the the wrestlers, no, they they didn't keep they didn't get to keep the C note. <laughs> What was wow. funny is that, that, that when uh, we did when I did the little program with uh, Roddy Piper, and uh, because I wrestled Virgil at WrestleMania Seven, which was <laughs> oh my gosh! Thank God Roddy was out there to help me get through that instant classic. Uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, after that, we would do we did this thing where, um, and we did it in several several places, but uh, we were in. Uh, I think it was Sacramento one night. And now my wife had flown out there. I have, a, you know, I had family in Napa, which is a, you know, a suburb of San Francisco and not mm-hmm. too far from Sacramento, 80 miles. And, uh, we, uh, we were staying with my, my, with my sister out there and, um, they came to the matches. Now, any other time, Anytime my wife had ever gone to the wrestling, they would always sit the wives somewhere in the back or up somewhere. They gave my wife and my sister second row ringside seats. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, and so uh, we did this thing where I went out in the ring and, and I got the microphone and uh, I just made this announcement to Piper. I said, you know, I don't really feel like breaking a sweat tonight. And I said, Piper, you don't, I know you don't feel like getting embarrassed in front of all these people tonight because that's when it's going to happen if we wrestle. And I said, so why don't you do yourself a favor? I said, I got 300 bucks here. I'll give you the $300. You go out and have yourself a nice meal and a nice evening, and we'll just call it a day. <laughs> and uh, so Piper looks at me, and of course, he, you know, he milks it. He looks at the crowd, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I, you know, and I, I, I look, and I look away from him like, see, I told you, you know. And then when I turn back around and look at him, he punches me. And when he punches me, the money, the money flies up in the air. He picks up the money, and he goes out, and he goes around ringside, and he picks people, and he gives them. <laughs> He gives them each a hundred dollar bill. I remember this. And so, so, uh, what I told Roddy was, I said, look, Roddy, I said, I've never done this. I said, but in the second row and I showed him, I said, that's my wife. And the other one's my sister. I said, put the money in their hands and we will go out. That's a great story. so, and so he does it. He does it. He he runs around the ring and he he finds my wife's hand. He puts that money in his hand and then he he rolls back in the ring. And we carry on the match. Well, I get back in the back, you know, and with my wife and she said, "Don't you ever do that 
<laughs> that's I funny. Said, what happened? Where's, where's the money? We're gonna have we're gonna have a good time tonight. And she said, "Where's the money?" She said, "As soon as he left, as soon as he took his hand off of my hand, he said the fans around, uh, all around, they were they were like hovering over her. They were like, you oh, know." Yeah. She said, I, I, couldn't, I, couldn't, I couldn't even breathe, and they're all grabbing at the money. So she said, I just let it go. <laughs> oh, wow. That's unbelievable. So, anyway. You know what I always that. wanted to know? When you were doing that thing, did you have a real-life accountant who bought this uh, gimmick as well? Uh, oh, that, no. no. <laughs> I'd when, love to see your tax statements. When so, did, Josh, uh, let's... Oh, no. Let's well, this is... To, we have another question. It's our last question from yes. uh, one of the fans, Daniel Collins. Um, and it's kind of a follow-up about the, the you living the million-dollar man character. Um, his question is, at what point in your career did Vince stop giving you the cash? And he says limos and private jets. I don't know if you were on private jets or not. Uh, to use for the, the gimmick. Um, was it before 93? Was it during your run as a manager? At what point in time did that? Well, stop? you know, I, I would say, uh, I would say, like you know, like that whole, for the whole first year or so, you know, it was it was the limousines, it was it was it was every it was every you know every day, mm-hmm. you know. But then you know after that, uh, you know, he backed that off to the limousines were uh, basically for the big shows. Okay. All the all the pay per views and like any time I was you know like. If I'm, if I was like, you know, and the, and the big cities, right. If I'm in Chicago, if I'm in Miami, you know, if I'm, if I'm in New York, you know, it's, it was always a limousine. He says, you know, but when we were doing the other shows in the, in the small, you know, the smaller States and the not so big cities and stuff, right. Then basically I would, I would rent a Lincoln, Lincoln town car and Virgil would drive. <laughs> and, uh, but, but the, uh, the first class, I mean, the first class airfare was, was always, Oh wow! Did was there ever any uh, any jealousy from any of the other wrestlers um, about that? You know, I, I, you know, I, I've been asked that that question a lot, and, and I don't really think so. You know, there may have been. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. you know, golly, you know, why that guy get that deal? But I mean, but I don't think there was because any of the other guys, if, if this, if we would look at it this way: if it had been offered to me, I'd have taken it too. I mean, sure, you know, right. so good for him. Right. You know? Of course. that That's like back in the Crockett days, people all wondered whether they, they were going on the private plane or not. So they always talked about the jealousy. Uh, since this is Thanksgiving weekend, and of course, traditionally, it's the weekend of the Survivor Series. Do you have a memory or two about the Survivor Series you'd like to share with us? Well, I just remember that the first Survivor Series... Um, I, you know, it was like, I, I wasn't there. I was, um, I don't think I was on the first one. I just cut a promo, you know, if I'm not mistaken, okay. I, I, you know, I don't know. I could be wrong, but, uh, I thought that you know, I remember, I remember cutting this promo about, uh, being thankful for being rich and, you know, I've got money and you don't type of thing. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I, Bully. I, I, I do remember we did, we, I know we did a, uh, we did a special uh, video for the for the Survivor Series, the very first Survivor Series. Um, but other than that, I can't really, you know. There's, you know, you know, uh, Bill. I mean, it's like there's so many matches. Now there are there are certain matches that stand out that I'll never forget. You know, uh, the night 
that Andre and Hogan had the match at you know uh, on on NBC. That was the first time that professional wrestling was on live network television since. That was the Hebner brother match, correct? Yeah, right. Yeah. When uh, yeah. the, everybody found out that Dave Hebner had a twin, and and that was a very <laughs> special really. night because that was the setup for WrestleMania four. And it was a special night for me because, you know, even though I wasn't the, the, the star of the main event, the the storyline centered around my character. This was the setup for WrestleMania four. And here I was a part of a show when when the business I had grown up in was back on television, the coast to coast live for the first time. So that was very special. So there's I moments see. like that. I mean, uh, Wembley Stadium, 80,000 people special night, you know, so the special nights in my life. Uh, but, you know, I mean, we wrestled so many, you know, uh, matches that it's hard for me to keep track of. I mean, it's like, I couldn't tell you what I did in every survivor series and every, uh, you know, but one, 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 uh, moment that you're famous for, uh, at survivor series would have to be in 1990 when, uh, you introduced the undertaker, to the WWE. Do you have any memories of that? Did you think that that was going to be a character that would last? Here we are in 2018 and he just competed again recently. You know, uh, I don't think, I don't think anybody foresaw uh, what the undertaker would become. Correct. And uh, I mean, I don't think, you know, I I do remember that in watching uh, Mark work, uh, and, and, and to work that gimmick and have a match and to move uh, like he had to move to be the undertaker, that's not easy. And, and, and so for him to have lasted as long as he did, of course, I know he took that, you know, he, he took a hiatus for a while and came back as a different character for a little while, but uh, everybody wanted the undertaker back. Yeah. Yeah. And the biker yeah, guy didn't do it. No. And, yeah. uh, and so it was just, he's just one of those characters that just got over like nobody, you know, knew. I mean, you know, when I was with, uh, uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin, right. I knew I saw the talent in Steve. I mean, I, 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 I can remember telling him, uh, cause you know, Vince put him with me, you know, initially for the rub, you know, like it helps elevate him a little bit. Oh right. gosh, you know, you, know, you were endorsing him. Yeah. Right. And so I know some of the agents were telling him that at the time that, you know, he, you know, he needed to be doing, doing more like, like, you know, more action, you know, whatever he was, and, you know, and, and he said, what do you think? And I said, I'm going to tell you what I think. I said, you keep doing exactly what you're doing. I said, you have a very realistic, you come across very re- realistically. And I said, I push that all the time. I said, you know what? Uh, that's the thing that I, in my opinion, sets, 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 sets guys apart because the more realistically you can present yourself, you know, the, the, the better it's going to be. Mm-hmm. And I said, now you won't get over as fast, but when you get over, you will be, over and and then and once you're over then you can do anything you want to and and that's exactly what happened but nobody nobody envisioned you know that that steve austin would would climb to the heights that he did either uh 
but you know, it's just you know, being the right guy at the right place at the right time. Yeah, I mean, I, you, you know, you know, people go, "Golly, Ted, you know, did you ever envision?" And I said, "No." I said, uh, "There's just a, there's a period of time in there where there's a certain group, you know, uh, Hulk Hogan and Randy Savage and myself and uh, Undertaker and you know those guys in the in the uh, the '80s and early '90s that." People, fans, all the time, they go, "You guys were the guys. You guys were the greatest era of wrestling." So, yeah. you know, yeah. and I, you know, I'm not going to judge that. But I mean, you know what? Uh, you know, all I would say is like, you know, well, I'm just lucky that I was there. I was at the right place at the right time. Sure. So you're you're uh, um, Ted DiBiase in his prime. If he was in his prime, and the WWE was what it is today, and you could handpick an opponent to wrestle against. Who's that guy? Wow. Man. Wow. 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 You know, I, I don't really, I really don't know. I mean, it's kind of like, uh, um, <clears throat> I was really, um, I was really sad when I, I found out about Roman Reigns. Sure. Yeah, uh, sure. And that deal. Um, I thought he had talent, but I, you know, I tell you the guy and you know, that, that came across the most believable to me. Um, and that's, that's how I've always, you know, uh, that's just who I am. Uh, it, to me, it's like, you know, I always push this. I said, you know what? It, it, it is show business. Mm -hmm. And we've told the whole world that we are show business. I said, but when you walk into a movie, you know, it's a movie, but the actors present what they're doing in such a realistic way. You get caught up in the story. Yeah. And that's what wrestling should still be today. But I, you know, it's my personal opinion. I don't think it is like it used to be. Yeah. I don't, you know, I, I don't think there's See, enough, there's not enough emphasis on making it real and believable. Uh, so, but I mean, but one of the guys that came across the most realistic to me was Bray Wyatt. Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Sure. He presented sure. that character so uh, realistically, you know, um, you know, there were times I thought, man, I, He's a guy I'd love to have had a program with. Yeah. So. Yeah, but if that happened, you know, you would be audited by the IRS. Yeah, right. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Trying to think of how what type of a joke could be made a segue. No, but I, I could see you in your prime uh, in a great match against Seth Rollins. You know, that's uh, yeah. what what they used yeah. to call a scientific wrestler, and that's what you that was the mold you. Uh, you came out of tell us Ted right. uh, before we let you go um, about you have uh, a wonderful belief uh, and wonderful faith and you're very very involved uh, tell there may be a lot of our listeners that don't know about your million dollar faith actually so, well I yeah. have been for uh, gosh over 18 years 19 years now you know I've traveled all over the United States and Canada and, and really worldwide, you know, and I guess you'd call it evangelism. Uh, I mean, I'm not Billy Graham, but I mean, Billy Graham was an evangelist and I guess that would be what you would call me 
because I'm someone who goes out and proclaims uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, you know, I had, a, I had a very strong faith in God when I was very young. Uh, and I, you know, I, I walked, I won't say I walked away from it, but I think I was drawn away from it by, you know, uh, all those things that draw people away. I mean, I got caught up in the glitz and the glamour of being a wrestling star and, uh, you know, just like guys in, in, in the, in this pick a field, you know, whether it's music or motion pictures or whatever the deal is. And I, uh, you know, by the grace of God, I had never became a, a drug addict or an alcoholic and, and, and you know, but I, I, I certainly have done my, my share of running around and messing around and getting in trouble. Uh, but by the grace of God, I had a wife who, uh, stuck by me, gave me a second chance. And that was a real, that was a real turning point in my life. Um, you know, the fact that I, you know, did all these things that was so self-serving. Um, and yet she was willing to forgive me. Uh, it was, uh, I can't even, I can't put it into words, Bill. It was like, uh, um, I guess it was the greatest example of what I would call Christ-like forgiveness that anybody could ever have. And it was kind of catapulted me. It was like, I had already made up my mind that, you know, cause I, I was, I was determined or I, I thought at least that based on the confession I made, I was going to lose my, my family. And it didn't happen. And uh, uh, it was a, a moment of turnaround in my life that I can't even put into words. But uh, right. it, it accentuated my faith. And, uh, and that's what I try to do now is I try to help other people. I try to, uh, um, you know, I have a ministry that I call Heart of David. Uh, David, the King David, was... Uh, uh, you know, Jesus Christ came from the lineage of, of David and, uh, uh, David, although he became King of Israel, the David that slew Goliath, well, David was also an adulterer. So I identified with David, you know, but David, uh, and if you examine the Bible, you find that David, he, although he was the King of Israel, he had the most dysfunctional family in the entire Bible. Uh, but, God spoke of David. He's a man after my own heart. People go, how could God call David a man after his own heart? And I said, here's, here's the deal. At the end of the day, in spite of David's uh, uh, humanity and his flesh, which we all have, and for the Bible says we have all fallen short of the glory of God for all of sin, um, God knew that David would never quit getting back up that at the core of his being, he truly loved his God. David wrote all of the Psalms. And if you read the Psalms, it's, you know, it's, it's, they're beautiful. And there's times when he was very happy and there's times when he was sad, but there was, but you know, as much as his faith was tested, he kept getting up. And so that's what yeah. I said. I that's see the I, I correlation. I'm never going to, I'm never going to, I'm never going to quit getting up. You know, I might fall down again, but I'm not going to quit getting up. And, uh, so well, I, you know, I, I try to, I try to share that with people. I, you know, um, I have a, a wonderful wife who by the grace of God is still with me, not only, you know, through trials, but through illness that she's had and, and uh, recent surgeries and God's blessed me because she's still here. 
uh, and I had my children. Uh, I was going to ask you about your sons. You know, they're all doing great. Yeah. Uh, they're all doing great. But they're, uh, you know, Teddy's a businessman now, and he's doing well. Brett's, uh, you know, my youngest son, Brett, you know, Brett went through a hell for, for a while. Brett, you know, Brett was in the developmental program, and in, over the, in a two-year period, period of time, he had like five knee surgeries. Oh wow! And and a neck and a neck surgery, and I don't I don't share this openly with a lot of people, but Brett got addicted innocently to opiates. Oh man! Because every time he'd get well, he'd get sick again, and so he came to us for help initially, and then he he uh, he relapsed a couple of times, and then we finally put him in a program where he was he went off for sixty days, but since then he's bounced back, and now. Now he works for an organization here in Mississippi called Families First, and he travels all over the state speaking to, on behalf of the state, to state employees, educating them as to the, 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 the destructiveness of the opiates and opiate addiction and what it, what it looks like. And wow. so he's like an opiate counselor. Good for counselor him. Now, so. All right. So, for yeah, him, yeah. So, so doing good. I actually wanted to, I was going to do this off air, but I wanted to talk about this. Oh I figured, yeah. I figured on air. Um, so I have a, a interesting, I guess my family has some sort of a interesting connection. Um, I have a, my great grandfather that I never, uh, he passed away before I was born. Um, but he was a huge wrestling fan and I think it skipped a few generations and then came back to me. Uh-huh. But, um, I have, my grandfather gave me a picture years ago that I believe was sent over to you. I don't know if you had a chance to see it yet. Oh yeah. Okay. I did see it. So that, that is, uh, what would, that had to have been what, late seventies? He passed away in 81. So. Well, um, that, you know, if, if, if I was in New York, mm -hmm. then it had to be 79. Okay. So yeah, so where was you, you remember where that picture was taken? I don't. I want to say that it was somewhere in like Atlantic City or something like that. Um, he lived okay. in Philadelphia, but I, I just for whatever reason I remember. I might be wrong, but I remember being told. And I'm actually going to put that that picture out on uh, on our social media so people can see that. Um, my my great grandfather, from what I've been told, was such a, an enormous enormous wrestling fan, and he uh, you can just tell in the picture how happy he was to be brought backstage there to to meet everyone. <laughs> and I have pictures of him with uh, Wahoo McDaniel and and Gorilla Monsoon, and um, but yeah, but that was one of the pictures. And I remember when I looked at this, uh, my you know my grandfather says to me, he goes, yeah, and I, you know, I don't know. He didn't, he, he wasn't a wrestling fan. You know, he isn't a wrestling fan. He looked, I don't know who this is. I'm looking at this picture. And this is for those listening. This is a clean shaven Ted DiBiase. Yeah. And I, oh, which yeah. I had never the seen. NWA Ted DiBiase. Yeah. And yes. at that point for oh, me, yeah. I had never seen that. I'm looking at this. I'm like, I know exactly who this guy is. And so, yeah. um, <laughs> but the other That's thing great. that I wanted to say was, and it was funny because years later, um, uh, connection with your family was with, and this is why I wanted to bring this up, because uh, this was just a, a, an amazing thing. I think it speaks to the quality of, of uh, the person that your son, Ted, is. Um, my cousin was, uh, this is about 10 years ago. My cousin was, um, I want to say, he wasn't even a teenager yet. Uh, he was diagnosed with a brain tumor. And thankfully it was, it was benign, but nevertheless, of course, you know, 
a brain tumor is not yeah. something that you want to have, especially in a kid. And he was a huge wrestling fan. Yeah. Um, and I had uh, one of my good friends, Kevin Keenan, was a, a referee down in FCW at the time. And I called Kevin and I said, hey, I said, is there anyone down in FCW who is up on the main roster so my cousin would know, you know, would, would be familiar with him because he wouldn't have known just who was in developmental. And he said, right. uh, he's like, he's like thinking around. He's like, ah, Teddy's down here. So I'm like, okay. Uh, I'm like, well, that's perfect. I said, is there any chance that he would be willing to maybe send a message or something to my cousin to wish him luck on his surgery? Cause he was about to go in for surgery. And, uh, mm-hmm. and Ted, um, called my cousin on the phone, talked to him for a long time. Uh, told him, you know, how he's pulling from, how everybody in the WWE is pulling for him and all that. And this kid, it was everything he needed going into this this scary situation and told him, gave him wow. his number and said, please call me when you get out. Let me know that it went well, which he did. And, and uh, so I, that's always stuck with me as just one of the most incredible things that, that – um, that I've ever seen somebody do someone who in, in a level of celebrity do for somebody. And so I wanted That's to bring cool. that up to yeah. you so that you knew that story of your son. And also, so everybody listening knew that he had a great well, upbringing. You know. Well, you know, he's a good, yeah. he's a good boy, you know? And I, yeah. Well, yeah. His mother did a great job with him. <laughs> <laughs> Ted, before uh, we yeah, let you go, I'm very proud of you. before we let you go later on in the show, every show we do a, uh, uh, I kept all my cassette tapes and I have classic interviews with all the stars from all the territories. And today uh, I was talking uh, on this cassette interview that we're bringing on with uh, Gorilla Monsoon. You were there and worked around, were around Gorilla Monsoon quite a bit. What are your memories of Gorilla Monsoon? I loved Gorilla Monsoon. I'm going to tell you what, he was one of of uh, the nicest guys and was just so genuine. And, and the, the other thing is that when, when my physical wrestling career was over, you know, I, you know, and, and I, and I left the WWF, you know, um, when I came back, I came back as a manager slash commentator. Well, they put me with gorilla and gorilla really, really helped me a lot. I mean, gorilla was the, uh, you know, he was the play-by-play guy, and I was I was the, uh, you know, I don't know what you call it. I was the other guy. The color guy. <laughs> you know, the color so, commentator. Uh, the color commentator, yeah. Right. And, uh, you know, he was just a huge help. But, I, I mean, I, I always um, I always loved him and always got along with him very well and missing a lot. All right. Can I can I ask you a question? You're talking about when you were back as a uh, commentator, as a manager. We had uh, – this is diving back into your attire – um, it changed up at that point. You came back, you're, you were wearing, it looked almost like, like a, uh, like a windbreaker of sorts or something. Like it was you, what was the idea of you coming back? Was it that you wanted to kind of take more of a backseat role to the people that you were managing or cause it was, it was a, a big, it ended up just being regular suits sometimes. And, uh, was there any thought that went into that? Well, it was just, you know, I don't know the, uh, you know, times were changing too in mm-hmm. terms of, uh, and I just, you know, I, I just didn't feel like, 
okay, you know, that's who I was, and that was the outfit that I wore when I wrestled. So I thought, you know, okay, I'm a manager now. Okay. Uh, so it's, it's, it was kind of like, uh, I guess it would dress it down a little bit, uh, you know, and, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, I think it fit the role is what I, I guess the way you'd say it. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, we, what we didn't discuss, when we didn't discuss is when Ted, uh, went, had some bad investments, went broke, and then he joined the NWO. Well, he didn't go broke. I, I believe he was the uh, benefactor. <laughs> Well, that that's that was that was that was the rumor. That was yeah. the rumor. Yeah, but yeah, but yeah. just as you had a classic story, I've got to tell mine real quickly. Ted came up to the offices when I worked at the uh, wrestling magazine, and he came with uh, uh, one of his friends who had a uh, a limo. What, what what's his name, Ted? Our buddy with the limousine. Oh oh yeah, John John John. Harris. So uh, uh, after work, we went out to dinner, and then. Uh, we had nothing much to do. So I said, you know what? My son, Brandon, who was a little kid at that time, is really a big NWO fan. So we, Ted said, had a great idea. I laid down in the back of the, uh, back of the limo and we drove to my house. And Ted DiBiase, my son, Brandon, is playing basketball by himself, shooting hoops. He's about nine or 10 years old. And DiBiase gets out of the, uh, out of the car and he says, you're with us, or you're against us. And then he says, look who I just signed. And I walk out of the limousine. I can't tell you. It's just indelible, great memory. So Ted DiBiase, thank yeah. you. Thank you so oh, much God. for doing yes, thank this. Thank you. Where can everybody and, find you on social media and yeah. anything you'd like to plug? Uh, okay. Well, uh, you know, milliondollarman.com uh, is one. Uh, Heart of David Ministry.com is another one. And that one, you know, I think the the one that's up currently is it, it's being it's being redone, uh, mm-hmm. but I think you know you, you you can still find it. You know, and uh, MBM Ted DiBiase on Twitter. So uh, yeah, I'm on all the stuff. I don't, I don't think I'm on Instagram yet. Well, I'm I'm Soon. sure you will buy your way in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Would you mind before uh, yeah. we leave and doing a little? Uh, everyone's got their price would you give me some uh give me a some million dollar man uh of course I mean, if you would you know, buy, wait wait let me go on. ted dibiase you have bought the wwf championship why did you do that because bill after everybody's got a price to be a dollar man yeah <laughs> Man, what a great interview with Ted DiBiase. We covered so much ground that I, I wasn't even expecting to talk about, Bill. No, we, it was absolutely wonderful having him on the after chat. By the way, I do want to bring up something that has nothing to do with anything we're talking about. Okay. I want to mention that I got a, uh, a tweet from Kenny Bolin, oh. who... As we mentioned at the beginning of the show, when we were talking about it, that he's he was bleeped more than anyone ever on the after chat. And he's hearing rumors that he has been banned from the after chat. And that is not true. When we need Kenny Bolin on here, Kenny Bolin will be welcome back. OK, yeah. All right. Yeah. Just wanted to throw that in. All right. 
That's fair enough. Uh, a little bullet in there. Hey, some people love. We talked about this before. Some people loved it. Some people didn't like it. And you know yeah. what? If you didn't like it, don't just cry about it. Tell us. Yeah, in a mature fashion. Just tell Absolutely. us. All um, right, Josh. What is up on our board at this point? I don't know about our board, but I'll tell you what's up. Blue Chew. Blue Chew. Dot com brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. We talk about Blue Chew every single week, Bill, and that is because they are our sponsor and have been from the very beginning. And if you go to BlueChew.com and use the promo code BILL, that's B-I-L-L, you will get your first shipment absolutely free. Just pay $5 shipping. So what are you waiting for? Just go do it. This is this is a, a chewable that you can take anytime, day, night, even on a full stomach. It's going to work faster than a pill. It's uh, it's being sent directly from Blue Chew to you. So it's actually cheaper than, say, Viagra or Cialis. So you really have nothing to lose but that $5 in shipping, which I think is an incredible deal. So again, BlueChew.com. Get yourself ready for the holiday season, all right? BlueChew.com, promo code Bill. Again, that's BlueChew.com, promo code Bill. BlueChew is the cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them, as always, for sponsoring the After Chat. And it works. Josh, you are getting so involved in our after chat youtube station yes yeah uh obviously i'm, I'm on there i have a, a couple of uh, interviews that we've done at, at conventions and whatnot but i had the opportunity this past week uh to put out my very first so says Chernoff survivor series special try saying that five times fast it was kind of a different format than what we do on the show here and kind of took you through my top five moments in Survivor Series history, a uh, little lead up into the Survivor Series this coming Sunday. So it's a bit of a time-sensitive show, so I would suggest checking it out before Survivor Series. And I, I thank you, After Chatters, for supporting my venture there over at youtube.com slash the after chat. We're just trying to give you guys and gals more content uh, everywhere we possibly can. Speaking of content, we have one of my favorite segments on the show. Coming up right now, it's brought to you by Smart Hold, Message on Hold, the After Chat Classics. And Bill, we mentioned this in the Ted DiBiase interview. Our guests tell us a little bit more about the interview we're about to hear. Well, we're going to hear about Gorilla Monsoon. Now, so many people remember him as a broadcaster and a suit and tie guy in the uh, WWF. When I was growing up, Gorilla Monsoon was managed by a man named Wild Red Berry, who was also the uh, manager of the fabulous Kangaroos, Al Costello and Roy Heffernan. And uh, Monsoon allegedly came from Manchuria, and he couldn't speak English. And he had an incredible multi-year feud with Bruno Sammartino. One of their matches lasted an hour and a half, one of the longest matches I've ever seen. Anyway, he finally became, after he retired, uh, he was able to speak. And he learned English very quickly. And he was now a suit and tie guy in the uh, WWF. And he had some great matches. And when he was winding down to retirement, he was still taking matches, even at Madison Square Garden. And there was one night when he wrestled uh, Moose Murawski. And 
this interview covers a little bit about his battle with Musmorowski, but more so he became the advisor of the WWF champion, Pedro Morales. So let's go right now to about four and a half minutes with the late but very great Gorilla Monsoon. Okay, this is Bill After. We're at the Jersey City Armory, and we're speaking here with Big Gorilla Monsoon. How are you feeling, Gorilla? I'm pretty good, Bill. I got a little bit of a cold like everybody else. Like everybody else. I'm going to catch one now, I guess, Just from the about. microphone. Why, certainly, why not? Okay, at Madison Square Garden, two matches. First of all, you're going to be taking on Mike Moose Monroe, who's uh, close to your size, not too far away. What's your reaction to wrestling Monroe? Well, Moose is a big boy, a big, strong boy. Uh, could be trouble, but I, I believe that he doesn't have enough experience to really give me a really bad time. Okay, now the main event at the Garden, Pedro Morales is going to take Stan Stasiak on. And the interesting thing about this is a Texas death match, which Stasiak knows all about and Pedro doesn't know too much about. Have you been working with him on this? Well, Pedro at the outset knew literally nothing about a Texas death match because he'd never been in one. Mm -hmm. But I've been in uh, as many hairs as you have on your head. That's how many Texas death matches I've been in. And uh, I've been in there with some of the best, the, uh, the San Martinos, the Kowalskis, uh, the Bill Millers, uh, you name them. I've been in there with them in Texas death matches. And I think over the past four weeks, he's absorbed quite a bit of just what a Texas death match is all about. And uh, I'm not predicting an easy victory for Morales. In fact, I'm not predicting a victory for either one of them. Uh, this is going to be uh, one of the sort of back alley, knockdown, drag out type affairs. And at this kind of a match, uh, anybody can win. Okay, now the Grand Wizard has stated both on television and to us that Stasiak was not cut in that match. And yet Stasiak maintains a cut on the right side of his head, which it says is uh, a personal cut that Stan got personally. Well, I have pictures that were taken in the dressing room uh, following the match, right. and it's quite evident that uh, he was cut during the match. And uh, while you're talking about the wizard, uh, I don't put too much stock in anything the wizard says. I believe he's probably one of the greatest walking advertisements for birth control I've ever oh. seen. That's the best I've heard that put in a long time. Well, that's the way I feel about the, the fellow, and uh, I think that uh, Stasiak would probably be better off without him because he is a, a great athlete. He has all the potential, all the experience, and uh, he could easily become the next world champion. There's no question about that. But uh, I think that the wizard is a detriment to Stasiak instead of an asset. Well, in that case, what makes a wrestler, for example, in your case, like Pedro Morales, what makes a wrestler hook up with a manager? Well, uh, like what makes St made Stan Stasiak hook up with the wizard? Well, the wizard probably painted a nice rosy picture for him. As you know, the, the wizard is a little bit of a, a golden-throated uh, mm -hmm. type of individual, and uh, he can con you pretty good, and he probably did a pretty good snow job on Stasiak. Promising him the world. Sure. And uh, the only reason that, uh, that Pedro took me as a manager is because he, he realizes where I've been and what I've been and who I've been with and that the information that I have inside me is valuable to him. I don't believe that, uh, that Stasiak is going to get one bit of useful information from the wizard as far as uh, once the bell rings and you've stepped through those ropes. But he may be able to talk a little bit better when That's he gets... That's true. He sure can talk and agitate. There's no question about that. He might even be able to get him some good bookings. Uh, but that's where it ends. Right. Okay, Gorilla, want to thank you very much. Thank you, Bill. We'll be looking forward to seeing you against Monroe and Pedro against Stasiak right. at the Garden. Mm -hmm.
Another great After Chat Classic, uh, great interview with Gorilla Monsoon and, of course, with you, Bill. Bill, but I think everybody wants to know, did you or did you not catch a cold in that interview? You know what? I was going to sneeze, but, you know, you never heard my imitation of Donald Duck sneezing. This is a great segue into that. Are you ready? I, I guess I have to be. Can I tell you that was actually pretty great? <laughs> actually, well, you know I, what? I want to give you credit. That was that was pretty great. All right. So right now, what I want to talk about, and I'm available, yes, for weddings and confirmations and bar mitzvahs to do my Donald Duck sneezing imitation. Um, so right now, why don't we talk about Smart Hold? Absolutely. Smart Hold is the sponsor of Yaps Chat Classics. But what is Smart Hold? Smart Hold is a message on hold service for only $35 per month. That's right, only $35 per month. Plus, and this is the best part, Bill, there are no contracts. So let's recap that for a second. Smart Hold message on hold service, only $35 per month with no contracts. If you run a business where you place your callers on hold, one of your most effective and least expensive marketing tools is message on hold from smart hold. I don't think a lot of people realize that when you have your caller on hold, you have a captive audience. Replace the radio stations and CD players, which by the way, is illegal. Maybe you have some really bad music that came with the phone or even worse, as we've been talking about, silence. With today's cell phones, placing a caller on hold to silence is deadly. Most callers won't be sure if they're still on hold, if they're still connected. That's right. They'll probably just hang up like you do or I do. Can you afford to lose that call, Bill? No, absolutely not. I couldn't afford to lose that call in my business. And that's why with Smart Hold, we make your callers hold time more enjoyable and informative while the caller's hold time feels shorter. It also makes you sound more professional. Because with Smart Hold, you get pro voice talent, both male and female, unlimited message changes, professional script writers, broadcast quality audio, fresh background music, music licensing fees, and even a Smart Hold player should you need one at no charge. All for only $35 per month per location served and no contracts. So go to www.smart-hold.com and order today. That's www.smart-hold.com. Be smart, get smart hold. Well, breaking news, Bill, uh, as we're recording here, we're, we're, it's at 8.30 uh, Eastern Standard Time and... Uh, p.m. 8.30 p.m. Smackdown is going on as we're recording this. And uh, it has been announced that due to, and I'm quoting here, a broken face... Wow, that is, yeah. that's medical terms. Due to yeah. a broken face, Becky Lynch will be unable to compete this Sunday at Survivor Series. So it is, uh, unfortunately, it that that's that it's been announced. Off. That yeah. match is off. Um, and uh, yeah, so that's and really by the way, there there is also a very heated situation being revived between Shane McMahon and uh, Daniel Bryan. So I'm sure all you people that are watching uh, that watch SmackDown this week have uh, kept up with that. Okay, Josh, you know what? I'll tell you every week we do this show and I always say that was the best interview we've ever done, but thank you so much again, Ted DiBiase for the quality interview that you gave us 
this week. And we have a lot more coming up next week. We've got another uh, great classic interview. We've got Headlock on Headlines. We'll give you more details about December 8th when Josh and I will be appearing live and in person at the Icons and Collectibles Collector Fest at the old ECW arena. Looking forward and, to it. Uh, yeah, yeah. And uh, you can all can follow me on Twitter at After One Wrestling. And I look at everything on the After Chat Twitter as well. Yes, and that is at the After Chat. You can, of course, follow us on Facebook at the After Chat, or I guess it's Facebook.com slash the After Chat, YouTube.com slash the After Chat, where you can find So Says Chernoff Survivor Series Special, and you can go to Instagram at the After Chat. And that's, that's oh, of course, the After Chat.com. Are you seeing a theme here? I think we've made it pretty easy. You want to yeah, find we us on some form of social media. Right. So, type and in the also, After Chat. And also, don't forget, the holidays are coming up. My book is Wrestling Fixed. I, I didn't know, know it was, was broken. broken. Oh. It's available, right? Uh, the audio book uh, is available. You can go to the uh, uh, afterchat.com, click on Merch, and you can buy some of our fabulous T-shirts. Yeah, and so that, keep an eye uh, out. There's that, a Black Friday sale going on at Pro Wrestling Tees, so make sure if yeah. you're going to buy a shirt, now's the time to do it. Uh, and you also, can get that. Through the AfterChat website. AfterChat.com. Click on merch and you're going right to our, our t-shirts at ProWrestlingTees.com. Click on book and it's going to take you right to uh, to uh, Is Wrestling Fixed? I didn't know it was broken by the legendary Bill After. And I and guess we're going to be, yeah, we're going to be. For the, for the kiddies. For the kids. For the we're kiddies. Maggie Moo finds a friend, which can be, you can go to the AfterChat.com, click on that link. Uh, or you can go to Flufferton Friends. .com. I can't believe that's what I'm saying on a wrestling podcast, but it is, in fact, and I say it proudly, fluffertonfriends.com. Uh, you can find me at So Says Chernoff, and uh, I guess that's that's really all we, we've got to give to episode 15, Bill. You know, I would like to see who finds a friend in Braun Strowman. Wait, what? <laughs> What's the name of your book again? Maggie Moo Finds a Friend. Right. Maggie well, Moo finds Maggie, a friend Maggie in Braun Moo Strowman. Maggie Moo finds a friend. I think it should be Braun Strowman. <laughs> why, not put a, why not put a kid's book together with a wrestling theme? I, I see nothing wrong with that. And uh, the quickest way to make something like that happen for me is for all of you to go buy the current book that I have. Okay, and, sounds, uh, good. Yeah, sounds good. Sounds uh, good. Josh, right. is wrestling fixed. I didn't know it was broken. You know what? What? We're going to see these people at the matches. <laughs>